Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to the episode. Today we are talking about personality traits and how some of these personality traits that we have might relate to our behaviors around clutter and becoming cluttered and letting go of clutter when it's time to declutter. So we're going to talk all about traits, aren't we, Beck? Yeah. And the what we're specifically talking about are not personality types because you and I had this confusion when we first started talking about what we were going to discuss on the podcast and I said personality types and so you assumed one thing which was correct <laughs> and then I assumed the other which was incorrect so what I assumed was personality traits but I used the word types by accident so just to clarify we're talking about personality traits today and then we're going to actually have other episodes later on about personality types um, so yeah, today we're talking about just normal old traits not not mental Ill, not mental illnesses not not any neurodiverse conditions or anything like that. It's just different things that we do or things that we have about us that um, can either make it easier or more difficult to deal with mental and physical clutter. Yeah, and I think personality traits are more easy to kind of identify with personally. Personality types, and when we discuss Mm. that in a few weeks' time, might be things that you need to take you know, some kind of test to work out what your type is, where as we work through some of these personality traits today, they're like little um, idiosyncrasies or behavioral patterns. And as we discuss them, you'll go, oh, yep, that's me. I've got that one. Or yep, I can mm-hmm. relate to that. So they're things that are that are more easily identifiable, I think. Yep. Yep, definitely. And you and I will be doing the same thing throughout this as well. We'll be going, yep, this one's me and nope, this one's not me. <laughs> you and I will have mostly different ones, I would say, um, which yeah, is going to be fun. I think the, the purpose of the episode and the reason why we want to discuss this is because there are some things and little traits or experiences or behaviours that we have which can make it easier or harder to let go of or accumulate clutter And we want you to kind of identify with some of these so that if you're having a tough time, you don't feel like you're failing. You just Mm. understand that because of that personality trait that you have, that you might be suffering a bit more through the process or that you might find this process particularly easy, but that, you know, if you're comparing yourself with other people that you don't think, oh, I'm no good at this. It's more that, you know, maybe you just have a trait that makes it more difficult for you to declutter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not a failure. It's just a, a thing. It's just a. It, it's just yeah, something that that's is. That's it. <laughs> not good it or bad. Is. It just that's is. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So where should we start? Okay. Um, so one of the ones that I see mostly, and you you probably see this a lot as well, is um, a high degree of sentimentality or empathy. So if you're the type of person that is quite sensitive or empathetic, or particularly sentimental or nostalgic, you can find it a little bit more difficult to part with belongings than what somebody who would be less sentimental or empathetic might be. Yeah, and I think we can all identify those people. You know, I think of people in my family and there are definitely people that have a lot more um, nostalgic kind of feelings and are a lot more sentimental and they're the people Mm. that 
kind of, you know, if you're putting together the family tree and you think, oh, who would have that information? They're the ones you go to because you know that's the kind of thing that <laughs> that fills them up where you think, oh, yeah. Arnie Maud, no way. She never kept anything, including baby photos. You know, like there's those those characters that are one way or the other. Mm. And I think, yeah, being someone that's sentimental, whether you're overly sentimental or just a bit, either way, it can lead you to, you know, have more clutter in your home because you have a harder time of letting go of that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Another thing that can cause, another personality trait that I suffer um, a fair amount from is distractibility. And that can actually cause clutter because if you are easily distracted, you tend to not really finish things. And finishing things is necessary in the whole decluttering cycle, either from getting things all the way out the house or from putting things or having things put in their homes when you're going about your day-to-day business. And so distractibility can cause those those two problems as well. Yeah, and sometimes, especially if you've, and I don't want to pick on the crafty people, but I know there's a lot of those creative crafty people that listen. <laughs> if If you're easily distracted, then quite often you can start a project and then see the new thing or have an idea about the new thing or the new project that you want to start and get distracted by that and leave your last project half finished or a quarter finished, or even yeah. 95% finished and you just jump to the new thing and then jump to the new thing. And that distractibility can kind of leave a whole lot of clutter in your wake because you're not seeing things through and finishing your project. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a bit of a big one. And you don't even have, you don't have to have ADD or ADHD to be easily distracted either. Distractibility is a personality trait. Uh, obviously people with ADHD and ADD are definitely distractible, but you don't have to have those conditions to be a little bit easily distractible as well. Yeah, and and even people that just, you know, we, we, we talk about walking in the room and forgetting what you've come in the room for. It's that yeah. same thing as well that you can be walking with a pile of stuff that you're going to put away and then, you know, someone comes up to you, asks you a question and you kind of lose focus of what you were doing, get distracted with the new task and then not get back to it. So I think quite often you end up, putting a lot of stuff down, not in its home, whether you've created mm. a home for it or not, that quite often. And then they're the things that go, okay, now I need to leave in a hurry. Where are my keys? Where are my sunglasses? Because mm. you come in and it's like we discussed with mindfulness, when you're easily distracted, quite often you don't see things through. You don't focus on the present. And so you'll, you know, dump things and then carry you on. Forget yeah. what you've done. Yeah. Yeah. Which leads us to forgetfulness mm. as well. Because um, if you are particularly prone to forgetfulness, if that's one of your personality traits, which is another one that I suffer from, you will put things down and forget where you've put them. Uh, You will also try to collect things and have things out and around you to remind you to do things. So that causes like a physical visual clutter. Um, And it can also cause you to forget you even own something. So if you don't have it, you just forget that it exists, which means that you go out and buy a duplicate, forgetting that you've already got one at home, which leads to to more clutter as well. Mm. And the forgetfulness can kind of manifest in your mental state and mental clutter as well, kind of back in terms of, you know, appointments and schedules and that kind of stuff can lead you to feel overly yeah. stressed and busy because you can't remember what's due when, when things are happening. Can you relate to that? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And 
you could even you can even forget something that you've written down like you can even write <laughs> my mum I'm going to throw mum under the bus hi mum this <laughs> is going to be funny I swear she she messaged me recently because she had written an, a doctor's appointment in her calendar and she'd written it for an hour earlier than what it was she doesn't know how she did that uh, but you know, somehow she managed to forget that it was three o'clock and she wrote down that it was two o'clock. So even though she was really organized Mm -hmm. in writing it down, she still turned up an hour early. And I said to her, at least it wasn't an hour late. So yeah, she's like, yeah, that's a good thing. But you know, that's the kind of thing as well. You will, you know, even if you're really fastidious about writing things down, you'll either forget to look at them or you'll write them down wrong because you forgot the details in between hearing them and writing them down. So it does cause, you know, complexity. You you end up having all of these little things that happen, like all these little minor catastrophes, all because of your memory of just forgetting to do stuff. And so, yeah, that can add that adds complexity to your life and gives you more stuff to do, uh, more fires to put out. Um, it's not it's not fun. Well, now it's my turn to put my hand up because the next one we have on our list <laughs> is perfectionism. And I used to, I used to think perfectionism was a good thing, like almost. Yeah, a bit of a mm-hmm. humble brag, a bit of a like, oh, but uh, you know, I'm such a perfectionist. It's not. It is oh. a good thing though. Like perfection, perfectionists do produce good quality work. Like <laughs> they, it's it is a good thing. Um, people like me need perfectionists in their lives to drag them up to a certain <laughs> level. <laughs> like, and that's what you do for me. You're like, you know, have we done? Have you done this prep? Or I've done some prep. Or you know, you've you want to do things really well, and so you kind of drag me along with you, which is a really good thing. So it's, it's not yeah. all bad. Perfection no, is not, not all bad, all but bad. it can contribute. To yeah, and I think um, mm. it can also be quite wasteful in terms of time. Like when you think about the eighty twenty rule, and that you know eighty percent of the outcome mm. comes from twenty percent of the input. And so there'll be things like I remember, you know, spending way too much, even, you know, with clients now, I might plan for uh, an hour to write someone's decluttering plan and charge for an hour's worth of time. But then I might spend an extra hour on that, just get tweaking the little, and then I end up think, well, now I've just uh, yeah. paid myself half of what I'm worth <laughs> because I was being such a perfectionist yeah. about getting it right. And it, I don't think it changes the overall tone or what people get out of it it's just me not being able to let go and I had this um confronting moment not that long ago where I was watching a discussion between Brene Brown and Oprah and she called out perfectionists and just Mm -hmm. said basically they're people that are just afraid of being judged and ridiculed so they kind of hide behind perfectionism because they don't want to be seen and they're, they're too scared about being mm. seen for what, who they really are. And so they will focus on every minute detail to try and minimise the risk of being ridiculed. And I was like, oh, that was like mm. a bit of a dagger <laughs> to the heart. I was like, oh, She sees right I through know. you, doesn't she? Oh, I Brenna. know. And so <laughs> I think like perfectionism I think manifests in lots of ways around clutter. So there can be things like if you're decluttering I'm going to say your bookshelf because I'm sitting in front of mine. If you're decluttering that and you're like me, you will tweak and move things and waste way more time and then agonise over some decisions because you've got to make the right decision, it's got to be perfect, you know, and that Mm. kind of stuff, that real time wasting and, you know, the amount of energy you expend for not much gain can be, you know, quite 
huge. Yeah, um, it's true. So I think yeah. I think there's that, but also perfectionism leads you to procrastination because if you can't do it perfectly mm. or you don't have the time to do it perfectly, quite often then you just don't even start. Yeah, so you just avoid that <laughs> yeah. whole that whole option of failing um, by not doing anything at all. I've had several clients that I've gently mentioned that maybe that perfectionism personality trait of theirs is holding them back in a particular way you know when they when we talk about their goals and they're often surprised to hear that but once I explain that you know could you just sweep half of the floor and they would say no I couldn't Uh, I would rather not sweep at all and there is you know therein lies the perfectionism so it can get to the point where you've got stuff built up because you've got this idea in your mind of how it should go go down and if you can't actually implement that then it it just doesn't happen at all yeah and I think there's there's lots I know that I certainly suffered a lot initially around things going to the perfect place like when I'd made the decision was okay with parting something yes then I would really stumble at the point of deciding where the perfect home for this thing to go to was and it was like you know the effort the effort should be in choosing whether it stays or leaves and once it you decide that it's going to leave. That next mm. step should just be quite natural, like an easy progression to get it out of the house. But that for me was the harder, the harder mm. bit. It was like, yeah, if I can't, if I don't know that it's going to the right home, if there's a risk, it's going to be wasted. Yeah. You know, and so then there's a whole lot of issues around uh, perfectionism with that as well. Yeah, perfectionists will put conditions mm. on things, so they'll say this can leave, but only if these conditions are met. And often those conditions can be unrealistic and unhelpful and, you know, virtually impossible. So, you know, they might decide that this particular thing has to be, let's say it's silicon, right? So it's it's some some silicon mats, for example. And silicon can be recycled but can only be recycled by specialist recyclers and there isn't really anyone around, especially not in our city, who will do that. And so you can end up, if you decide it can I want it to be recycled, it must be recycled, it must be recycled by these silicon recycler specialists, you could hold on to that for years until you could manage to get it to the recycler. And so that's what perfectionists will do is they will put those kinds of conditions uh, and then nothing leaves. Uh, They make all the decisions but things still stick around. Mm, I I have found it really hard initially even working with clients that were saying, okay, we're going to declutter and they just get a massive skip bin out the front of the house and then everything that they decided was going they're like we'll just put it all in the bin mm. and I was like my perfectionism would kick in then and be like but you could there's no, that's not the perfect place for this to go it's not even my stuff but I felt kind of invested because I was like this is so wasteful yeah. can I just give you some options of how else we could do you know things and then I was like oh, look I'll take all the clothing to a textile recycler because I'm not cool with it going in landfill and you know and that's the mm. thing like it can be it can really work for you but it can trip you up on lots of instances. So if you have even, you know, a semblance of perfectionism in your personality, and I think if you do, you would probably be nodding along with our discussion, then all you've got to do Mm. is realise that there are going to be times where decluttering is harder for you and you go, that's cool. I know it's not, yeah, I'm not failing. I just know that this is part of my personality, that this is my stumbling point right now. And maybe it's about getting an objective opinion and saying, I'm, finding it tough to part with this because I've got issues about where it goes. Mm. So maybe you could come in and, and give me your opinion so that you stop going around in your head about it. 
Mm. I've done that with a few people with their partners. Mm -hmm. So there have been some clients that I've had who have made the decision that things are going to leave, but the perfectionism causes anxiety around where it's going. And so in order to get over that hump a couple of times for a couple, what we've agreed is that they would put it in an unwanted zone and then somebody else, usually their partner, is allowed to dispose of it in whatever way they wish. And the person who's parting with it can put down their preferences so they can say, I would, I would really prefer if you did this with this and this with that, but then they let go and they, they just step back. And then mm-hmm. the person who's doing the discarding does it and they try their best to meet the other person's needs but they don't allow it to stop them if they can't meet those needs it happens anyway and that can work actually quite well because the the person can put forward their wishes but those wishes don't prevent it from leaving it just means that they they try really hard but if it can't be done that way then it's still going to leave anyway and that works quite well especially with people who where the partners are slightly frustrated that all these decisions are being made but nothing's leaving the house it enables them to then actually have Mm. the stuff leave the house and they can feel like some progress is being made so both parties kind of have their needs met to a certain degree works quite well yeah I really like that the other thing you can do is try and set some boundaries with yourself so if you are actively decluttering an area set yourself a time limit set you put your kitchen timer on or a timer on your phone or something and try and try really hard to stick to that that time limit or have someone call you you know at three o'clock at the end of your time so that you physically have to stop doing it and you know Mm. just create some little boundaries so that you're you don't let your perfectionism run you into a corner in terms of spending Mm. way too much time agonizing over little things Mm. Or just run you into the ground with the energy usage as well. Yeah, yeah. So another personality trait that can affect clutter, not just in our houses but also in our schedules, is being a people pleaser or a yes person. Mm. Can you relate to this at all, Beth, or are you pretty firm with your nose? I'm pretty firm with my nose but I am naturally a bit of a people pleaser. I don't like people not liking me. And Mm -hmm. I'm getting better at it as I get older. I think part of, I think age gives us that gift where we stop stop giving a fork and (laughs) to to take the word from the good place. Um, And we just, we just, you know, stop caring as much about what other people think. And so we're, we're a little bit more comfortable in asserting ourselves, but it's still something that we are generally raised to be polite and helpful. And so it's very difficult to say no to somebody else and yes to yourself in that case. It can feel selfish and cruel. So we do, a lot of people do naturally take things on that they probably know they can't handle simply because they don't know how to say no. Mm, And I see this a lot with people that um, end up with clutter in their homes that never belonged to them simply because they don't want to be rude and say no you know like the yeah. people that give you the the gifts and you think oh you know I do, it's not me mm. or I don't we don't want any more or stuff. hand-me-downs hand-me-downs mm. or and like <laughs> so many people will declutter and say I'm decluttering my wardrobe I'm going to give it all to my sister and it's like well how about you declutter <laughs> put it out in your room ask her to come over and take what she wants and then go because otherwise you're just passing the burden on and Quite often we say to ourselves that, you know, by giving it to them, firstly, we feel better because we feel like it's going somewhere. Uh, But also, 
um, we, we think, oh no, but they would be, they would love it. They would be grateful, and they they've never said no. Well, they before. should be well, grateful. Probably, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they yeah. probably never said no because they don't want to hurt your feelings. But you're just transferring that burden from one person to the other. Yeah, and exactly. and so many yeah. of us do it. And like you know, this has come up time and time again when we've talked about you know kids and toys and gifts and all this kind of stuff. We're all just far too polite, and mm. it's I think. One of the things, and this is what I work on with clients sometimes, is it's not about saying no, it's not about being ungrateful, it's not about being rude, but it's just about explaining your current position. Like, you know, someone walks up to your front door mm. with a bag of, you know, decluttered clothes from their wardrobe and you say, you know, thanks for thinking of me. You know, I really appreciate that that I came to mind when you thought of where your clothes should go to, but I'm re- working really hard on my own clutter right now. So, you know, I'm being really intentional with what's coming into my house. So I'm going to like decline graciously and say thanks, but no thanks. And, you know, if you put it the right way, people should understand where you're coming from. If you just say no and slam the door, yeah, maybe hurt feelings, (laughs) but. And that's the thing. You can still say no and be a kind, good, giving person, you know, Mm. and, and still say no. It's still possible to to do both, be both of those things. Someone who says no and someone who is kind. Uh, it they're not mutually exclusive. So, like you said, if you can explain yourself, not too much. Don't go. You don't owe it to anyone to give them an hour long description of reasons why they can't accept it. But a short, no, thank you, because this is where I'm standing at the moment. Then, yeah, that's perfectly. Yeah. legitimate. So saying no is really important. And if you have trouble especially with receiving physical items, if you have trouble saying no, you know, you can just try and think of a few phrases that you could use if you're ever in that position. Mm. And things like saying, you know, thanks a lot. I'll um, have a look through and see what I like. Uh, With the rest of it, would the stuff that I choose not to keep, would you like it back or shall I pass it on to, you know, the charity store or whatever, which, you know, you're still technically saying yes. You're just saying yes, but I'm not planning Mm. on keeping it all. And absolutely, then you're taking on the burden of disposing it. But quite often my sister-in-law and I will, because we're the same shoe size and dress size, will be like, oh, yep, I haven't, you know, it's been a couple of seasons, I haven't worn this or I've decided that this is really not my colour or my style and mm. we'll go, uh, here's some clothes, uh, anything you choose not to have you can get to, you know, throw to Vinnie's or give it back to me and I'll mm. send it to the charity store. Um, and it, so we kind of give those things with the little caveat of like there is no obligation to keep to- it. Yeah, mm. that's right. Another thing, one thing I do with a friend is I send her a photo because she's not in Adelaide. I send her a photo of the clothes mm-hmm. and I say, hey, do you want this before it goes off to charity? You know, you can have first option. So if I've got something that's really expensive or I just, I really loved it a lot and I think she will like it, then I'll always try that first, you know, and then she can just reply with, no, thanks, <laughs> you know, which she does. Like mm-hmm. she'll say yes or she'll say no and she's quite honest about it, which is really helpful. Uh, and then so I've got a little stash of things that, that I need to, you know, get over to her in Melbourne and uh, in the meantime it just sort of stays with me but then all the rest leaves because it's, it's such a job. A lot of people will pass kids' clothes down to mm. friends and that's a lot of work, especially when, you know, a lot of families already have clothes that they're hanging on to from the older siblings 
ready to pass down to the younger ones. And when they get boxes of other assorted sizes, that's a lot of work in that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work in going through it, working out what the sizes are and and it's just adding, you know, quite quite a bit of a burden. So, you know, if you're desperate for clothes, you could specifically ask your friends, you know, when you're decluttering, if you've got any size three shorts, I really need some, then, you know, they can come in. But you don't have to then plough through hundreds of items of clothing mm. just to find the the two pairs of shorts that you really needed. Um, so saying no to the bulk of it and yes to what you do need um, is helpful. And similarly, with being a people pleaser and a bit of a yes person when it comes to commitments, obligations, you know, things that mm. impact your schedule, same thing, you need to develop the language around that to say no Um, because people, and we've talked about this plenty of times before, people know who the people are that will always say yes and they are the ones that always get asked because I know that if I've got, you know, something that is, you know, painful or a lot of work or I need help with, I know who my go-to people are because they're the people that always say yes (laughs) and it's awful but they're yes people and I love it because you mm. know they're going to just pitch in regardless of how busy they are and we're all so time mm. poor and wish we had more time to relax or downtime or, you know, quality time with family or whatever it is and you think how is it that I've, you know, now on five committees volunteering here and there, taking on the extra project at work, you know, filling in for my boss for no, no extra pay and, all, you know, like these things just kind of add up and I think quite often the key is in not saying yes straight away. When people say, can you help me or I need you to do this or I'm going to give you this job or would you like this job, instead of that initial reaction which people pleasers have, which is, yeah, sure, and then they walk yeah. home or they you know, get home later and think, oh, why did I say yes? What did I do? Yeah, mm. say, let me just check and see how it suits and I'll get back to you or can I get back to you in an hour on that? You know, Because you're not saying no so you kind of, you appease that people-pleasing nature which wants to still be liked and, you know, be approved of and have Mm. that, you know, good, warm, fuzzy feeling. So you're not saying no, you're just not saying yes and then you can go away, consider, look at your diary, look at your schedule and go, oh, that's really not going to work. And then you can take the time to craft a response and say, look, I would love to say yes to that but turns out I've already got these extra things on in the next month so unfortunately it's a no. And mm. people understand that because everyone is busy. Everyone wishes they would say so no more. So they'll yeah. understand where you're coming from. It's just about, you know, taking the time to consider your response rather than just blurting out a yeah. yes. Yeah, or or worse, volunteering even when no one's asked you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because that happens as well. Like, you know, I'll do this and then later on you think, oh, my God, what an idiot am I? Why did I say that? I don't want to do that. I just volunteered because I looked around and for three seconds no one else volunteered so I felt this incredible urge to do it myself. And so I volunteered and then later on it's a, a big big regret. So yeah. Another way that people pleasing causes clutter in the home is when people spend more time outside the home helping others than they Mm. do inside the home helping themselves. So that's another thing. It's often used as uh, an avoidance strategy as well. But I have lots of clients that will volunteer for hours in op shops, but they've got houses that are full of stuff that they don't have time to deal with because they're too busy out helping everybody else. Mm, so we just advocate that you all start saying no let us let us know what you say no to (laughs) 
Um, come and have a word in the community and tell us what you've said no to this week or what you might have said yes to but that you took away, considered, and then said yes when you worked out that it worked for you or whatever. You know, that's that's just as valid but it's, you know, avoiding yeah. the situations where you're overwhelmed physically or mentally because you just jump in with a yes. Okay. Uh, we've mentioned this a little bit earlier in the distractedness part of it, but creativity. When you are creative, you are a little bit more likely and not not always more likely but frequently more likely to have uh, clutter. Mm, that be creative fair to say. people or, re- yeah, or really like artistically minded people, they're like they seem to be the ideas people and <laughs> always can see the possibility or the opportunity for something to be used in a unique way or you know something to be created or made or and so I think they're more likely to bring things in because they can see all these possibilities and they want to dive in and make them happen where people that are a bit more pragmatic maybe less creative probably like yeah I can't see how that's gonna happen Mm. (laughs) um Or they're lazy like me and they're just like, it's a great idea but I just don't have it in me so mm. <laughs> I'm not going to bother. Uh, I'm not going to bother going any further with that one. Yeah, and they quite often can be multi-talented or multi-passionate. So very often creatives mm. are not just, you know, watercolour painters. They, you know, they love that but they probably also love to dabble in drawing they might also love to dabble in sewing or crocheting or you know so there's it's yep. not just cre- you know accumulating items related to one crafty or creative activity or output quite often it spills into other areas and like we said before then you get multiple projects on the go you might jump from one to the other depending what's got your attention today and then you know the stuff just mm. accumulates doesn't it yeah, and things are discarded, but the projects and um, and creative activities are discarded. But they're not they're discarded as an activity, but the stuff isn't discarded as well. Mm. So there ends up being lots of a, a big backlog of craft art and craft and creative supplies that are no longer being used. But they're too good to throw away, so they just stay. Or they might be revisited later in the person's mind. They're like, no, I'd like to do that again one day. Even though I don't have time now and I've got 17 other different crafts that I've been doing since then, I'm, you know, I'm still too scared to throw that away in case I do want to revisit it again. Mm. So that then causes a build causes a buildup of stuff as well. And they don't like finishing things. Yeah. They do love jumping to a, a new project, don't they? Yeah, so then there's unfinished projects floating around as well, which can mm. cause a build-up of belongings and clutter. Yeah. I know we mentioned it when we talked about uh, craft rooms, but what do you think is a, a quick way for people to kind of keep that under control if they if they're identifying with this personality trait and they think, "Yep, that's me. My clutter's spiraling out of control." What's a quick way to <laughs> kind of nip it in the butt? Boundaries. Mm. So just instead of having twenty five creative pursuits have five creative pursuits and just understand that there is still even if you get rid of all of your stuff that's to do with glass blowing you can always do it again another time it's not going to be 
that you're not shutting the door completely you're just shutting the door for now and that enables you then to free up space to do the things that you're currently passionate about rather than hanging on to things that you might be passionate about again later so having some boundaries and having boundaries around acquisitions so not buying new things uh, until other projects are finished stuff like that mm. and yeah and listen to the listen to the crafty episode that's a good one for this stuff mm, absolutely Okay, so moving on, diligence. If you are someone that is diligent, I would say you're less likely to accumulate clutter. Would you agree with that, Beck? Yeah, definitely. I There are some people that are diligent that have clutter, but it's not the diligence that causes the clutter. Mm. Um, so when you're diligent and conscientious, you actually tend to have less clutter because you tend to finish things. You tend to um, not jump from one task to another you're much more likely to be a single tasker and not distracted and have a, a good propensity to finish things so yeah, diligence is actually a, a good clutter buster yeah and that probably goes hand in hand with the people that have a trait of being sequential thinkers as well yeah um, quite often they're more likely to be organized and are really good at setting their priorities mm. and they can they probably kind of get a bit of a buzz out of categorizing, sorting things, having things highly organized. If you've got that sequential yeah. mindset, you probably really enjoy things being in their place and the right number for the, you know, the space and that kind of thing. So um, I think that's another, if you've got that trait, you're probably less likely to, to have clutter accumulate. Or if you have previously and you really tap into that that side of your brain, you probably have quite a good time decluttering because you'll enjoy setting a priority, having a focus, having a boundary, you know, the limits and yeah. that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so if you've sort of become cluttered due to other personality traits, that that sequential, organised, logical, categorising sort of way of thinking will, will help you get back in control of it again, mm. which kind of relates a bit to neat and tidy people as well. There are some people who are very neat and tidy but not necessarily organised, mm -hmm. which is a possibility. Most people assume that um, neat and tidy people are organised but <laughs> they're not always. Like I've been into several homes that are neat as a pin and nice and clean and, and there's nothing on the horizontal surfaces and there's no clutter on the floor or anything like that. But when you open their cupboards, every <laughs> inch is full of all sorts of stuff uh, and it's not always organised. Sometimes it's just jammed in where it fits. So neat and tidy people can be neat and tidy behind closed doors but some are not as well. Mm. They are the stashes. Yeah, and I think there's something really interesting in that. Like sometimes people that are really highly organised have way more clutter than people that are disorganized because they're very good at organizing their stuff and they're very good at, mm. you know, filing things, keeping things in systems, keeping like items together, nesting items inside each other, you know, by size, like they're highly organized. But that mm. level of organization leads them to keep way more than they would otherwise um, just because yeah. they're very good at putting things Because they're together. hiding it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We're not hiding it, but yeah, managing it. They're good at managing the stuff so they can actually tolerate more higher volumes before they feel out of control. Yeah. Because they have that that ability to to keep it a bit organized. What about being optimistic versus pessimistic? Does that would you mm -hmm. say that 
you know, if you're an optimistic person, you're likely to have more or less clutter? I do see optimistic people having clutter problems. And I've often, I remember saying it to a colleague once when I was working and I I mentioned, I commented on the client themselves and I, um, I said, you know, oh, let's say her name was Joan, Um, I love Joan's optimism because even though she has very little time in the day, she still keeps every single magazine because she believes truly that she's going to get time to read them all one day. And so to me that was that's an optimism uh, and it's optimism that caused clutter because Mm -hmm. she genuinely was really optimistic about the opportunity to read all of the stuff she had collected but based on her previous behaviors and the time she allocates to magazine watching it's a probably an un a a misguided optimism Mm -hmm. (laughs) because she's very unlikely in reality to actually be able to do that but her optimism tells her she can and therefore she keeps all of the the magazines in order to read them one day even though there's more than what she will ever be able to read does that make sense yeah absolutely Mm. it's funny because I would have probably thought the opposite thinking if you're optimistic that you're less likely to catastrophize or dramatize dramatize mm. is the word over dramatize maybe <laughs> <laughs> i'll just create my own language just make a new word yeah. um i i feel like if you're optimistic you you would readily let things go because you think it'll be right she'll be right things will be fine you know if i ever need it again mm. i'm sure i can find another one and that if you're pessimistic that maybe you're like I can't let go of this, you know, yeah. what's the worst that could happen? It could happen. And I guess I guess it probably plays out in both ways. If you're pessimistic and Definitely. you think, my, you know, my life is too full, I'm not going to have time, maybe you will let things go yeah. um, as well. Yeah. yeah, it's kind I of think, like a duel. Think, yeah, exactly. I think um, both points are valid and uh, I think positivity and negativity can both be, uh, or optimism and pessimism can both be both useful both helpful and unhelpful or just helpful or unhelpful depending on the person. Mm. And um, I think it's it's one of those things that, yeah, so optimism can cause you to hang on to things that you do genuinely think that you will be able to do one day or deal with uh, and then uh, pessimism can cause you to discard those things thinking, oh, I'll never be able to do that or I'll never have time to do that, I may as well just get rid of it. So it can have those those two things and then, you know, no, there is no then. <laughs> what about people that are frugal? I I think there's something so cool about people that you know are genuinely frugal. I'm like we need more people like that in this planet, but <laughs> there is a but. People that are really frugal quite often can't see to parting with things because they can't bear the thought of having to reacquire them one day if they need them. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Frugality does cause a lot of clutter and it's that 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 mindset of um I don't yeah, I don't want to have to pay for this again. So I'm going to keep it so that I can save the money in the future by having this on hand. And so that does then cause people to accumulate quite a lot of stuff. It yeah, does I, have a positive side though. Yeah, and I was going to say that would be if they're frugal at the point of purchasing and don't <laughs> want to spend the money initially, they're less likely to bring the stuff into their home. Yeah. The problem is when they have a lot of stuff into their home, they're less likely to let it go out. Yeah, so, exactly. So there's, again, there's double-sided, there's, it's a double-edged, no, it's not a double-edged sword because it's, but it's a double-sided thing where there's, you know, it can cause 
things to stay in the home. Mm-hmm. But the good thing is, or the helpful thing is that it can actually cause less stuff to come in the home in the first place. Yeah, definitely. And there's probably, I mean, there's so many of these traits that like are interwoven and one leads into the next. And there's, I think there's lots of other ones that come into play with our next trait, which is being a warrior. And those people yeah. that are warriors or worry warts, as you know, we kind of call them in our family, um, would know that they're a warrior because they feel things really deeply and mm. they ponder them and they get caught up in the future worrying about what the outcome might be. And I think that can that can be a really tough thing to to have, especially if you're going through the process of decluttering because you become really risk averse mm. and quite often we'll try and avoid making a decision because you're you're worried about the outcome. You don't know whether you might need this one day. You don't know mm. where it will go and if it will end up in landfill. You, you know, you worry about all the outcomes of your decision so then you just yeah. don't make the decision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just the that you get in, you end up in an analysis paralysis as well. Mm-hmm. So going over all of the possible outcomes um because you just go around in circles and, and you just never actually make a decision because you're just so terrified of making the wrong one yeah. um, and we're not talking about diagnosed anxiety disorders here we're just talking about you know if you're I mean you might have anxiety as well but even if you don't have anxiety and you're a bit of a worrier that can cause you to avoid making decisions and avoiding making decisions has a big flow-on effect on your platter yeah and I think a pretty easy way to try and help you get past that is to bring in someone independent whether they be uh, someone you hire or just someone outside your immediate you know family because I think a lot of the times when you say your worries out loud they you can't justify them to yourself or someone will break them down for you and go really okay well so explain to me how that could happen really okay well you know and then so the warrior kind of they're, they're ideas or thoughts can be debunked a bit because yeah they get to process them them through the conversation and stuff yeah Mm. yeah so okay we got one more trait to go back what is it all right this is the information junkie (laughs) so this is the person that loves to know stuff um they love to they they absorb um they have reading materials and um they listen to things and they 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 learn things all the time and information is extremely important to them Uh, these people can have more clutter simply because they just collect large amounts of information in the forms of books newspapers magazines cds dvds all that kind of stuff and they will collect and, and just paperwork printouts off the internet and things that other people are given them they just collect it and um, and they keep it all because information is really important to them yeah and i think they probably have a lot of electronic junk and clutter as well you know people that keep all the emails mm. with all the links to all the things that people had said because one day they might need to go back and check that uh, yeah. to get that bit of information that so-and-so passed on three months ago. You know, and they're just, that's the thing that's kind of their their tendency is to gather all this information around them because firstly they want to know but also they want to have it, they want that reference point in future if they want to go back and check something. That can be a really big barrier to decluttering is because people feel like when they let the stuff go, um, they're letting go of information and if they don't feel like they've consumed it and retained mm. it, it feels like then it becomes out of reach for them. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's sort of a bit of a there's a fear of a little bit of FOMO in there as well, a little bit of fear of if I don't if I don't consume that 
information before it leaves, I'll never know that. And that information could have made my life or someone's life that I care about better. And mm. I'm missing this opportunity to make my life better if I don't consume this before it leaves. So then they, that, that then things stick around for a long time then. They also like to um, often collect this information on behalf of other people. So I've had several clients who have lots of piles of newspaper clippings that they need to send off to friends and family members. So as they've consumed their information, they're thinking about all these other people around them and they're taking this information so that they can then share it with those people. And often it doesn't actually get shared. It gets put aside, but it never sort of makes it out because the person's too busy consuming all the other information. So mm. it can then collect up a little bit. Yeah, well, I think that brings us to the end of our list of personality traits that we wanted to discuss today. But obviously there's there's lots more and we'd love you to come and join us have a discussion about this idea or this concept or if you can relate to some of these, um, come join us in our Facebook community or connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. And we're going to, if you like this topic, we're going to talk more in a couple of weeks about the personality types. Like we said, we're going to explore Myers-Briggs a little bit and then a little bit down the track, we're going to look at type A versus type B personalities and how some of those things might relate to clutter. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all of your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.